Okay, so is everybody ready? Campbell. Ready. Okay, all right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Wandering Into Wellness. Lydia and Vince here as usual, although slightly desperate today, which is an unusual setup for us, but it may work nicely, we hope. And today we have a beautiful guest joining us, Brianne Grogan, who is a pelvic love visionary, which is a really exciting title. And it's something that gets me really, really excited to talk about because pelvic floor, as most of you know, is an area that I'm really interested in, both from my personal pelvic floor health journey, but also in my work in prenatal yoga and birth and postnatal and babies and all of that kind of stuff. So we're super excited to have you on. We follow you on Instagram and we love all of the content that you do. And we really love the way that you make pelvic floor really accessible and really approachable and really just kind of fun. So that's something that we're hoping to bring to this podcast that for people who are kind of just starting to maybe say like, oh, pelvic floor, is that something that can relate to me that you can kind of enlighten us on who pelvic floor might relate to? Is it just older people? Is it just people who are pregnant? Is it just women? Or is it actually everyone who could benefit from looking at their pelvic floor health? Mm, you're just giving me so much juice to talk about. Um, <laughs> should I just dive in? Yeah. Okay. So everybody can benefit from pelvic floor, thinking about their pelvic floor, learning a little bit more about it and really understand kind of what's going on down there. So no, it's not pelvic floor issues are not just for the elderly. They're not just for women and they're not just for prenatal and postpartum periods. Those are all really common myths and things that people tend to think, but all of them are absolute myths. This is an issue. Pelvic health there's a wide variety of issues that can impact all sorts of people, anybody, any gender, any age. And I like to think of it as the four P's. So if you're having issues with pain, and that could be pain anywhere in the pelvic region, the genitals, the, the bladder kind of area, even of course your pelvic floor muscles, which are at the very base of your pelvis, um, even your low back, there's been, there have been studies that have shown that a huge percentage, I'm going to get it wrong, but I want to say it was like 78% of people with low back pain also presented with pelvic floor dysfunction. And that was in women, but this is for women and men. So low back pain can even be a sign of pelvic floor dysfunction. So pain, if you're having issues with peeing or pooping, mm. or if you're having issues with pleasure, and by that, I mean, sexual pleasure. So painful sex, maybe for, you know, difficulty with uh, orgasm, sexual satisfaction for, you know, erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation amongst men is definitely uh, an issue that is associated with pelvic health. So yeah, pain, pleasure, pooping and peeing. And by pooping and peeing, that would be things like bladder leakage, um, frequency, urgency, fecal leakage passing gas without meaning to like all of these things can, can point to pelvic floor issues. And so I think most people have an idea of what to engage their pelvic floor is now. I think I could be wrong, yeah. but is it the case that people like most people, they understand that they don't engage the pelvic floor. And so they need to practice that sucking up motion. Is it the case that that's the thing for everybody? Or is it the case that some people do it too much? Like what's the, in terms of you, like the, the types of, disordered pelvic floor that you see does it lend towards more too little tone or too much tone like where do you see people arrive to you 
Yeah, that's a great question. And so a lot of people are like, okay, yeah, I have issues with one of those things. I better do some Kaggle exercises. I better do that sucking up feeling, right? And that that's a great way for anyone listening or watching right now who's like, what are they talking about? The sucking up feeling. So you can think of as if there's so many ways to describe this. The classic is like you're stopping the flow of urine and then you're letting it go. Or you can think of like you're picking up a blueberry with your vagina or even your anus and then letting it go. Or you can think of like sucking up a thick smoothie up a straw. I love that one. (laughs) Sucking up Mm. a thick smoothie with a straw through the (laughs) vagina or the anus. And then of course, letting it go. So that is all how to describe an isolated pelvic floor contraction and relaxation, which is a Kegel exercise, which is named after Dr. Arnold Kegel, who was a gynecologist back in the fifties. So that is the classic exercise people tend to know about. And now, you know, people are getting these um, devices and I'm not trying to throw anything under the bus here, but I just have to say it like these devices that are very, very expensive that people may sit on and it delivers, you know, thousands of super maximal pelvic floor contractions every, you know, minute or something. (laughs) They're, They're just constantly like making you contract these muscles or people are using, um, weights or, you know, jade eggs, things like that, even hooking things to their jade eggs to make Mm -hmm. them more heavy. And it's not that anything is necessarily bad. I'm not really a believer in much being bad, Mm -hmm. but I think anything can be overdone. And for the, for certain people, they are bad for certain people. These exercises are problematic, whether you're using weighted things or chairs that are making you constantly contract or doing, you know, a bunch of kegels all day long. Mm -hmm. If you are a person that has too much tension in your pelvic floor, and then you're adding more tension by contracting these muscles all the time, it's a recipe for more pain, more issues with pleasure, more issues with peeing and more issues with pooping. So Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a fine line. I think that knowing how to do a Kegel exercise, you know, knowing how to isolate these muscles and have awareness of these muscles is great. But if you overdo anything, it's an issue. Mm. And, and so how do you assess whether somebody's pain is coming from a high tone or low tone place or the ways that people can know themselves? Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Uh, One thing I definitely recommend is for people to see a pelvic floor physio in person. That's the best way to really know for sure, because going to a physio, they can do an internal examination, whether you're male or female, there's ways to access the pelvic floor muscles through an exam, and they can really get a sense for the tone of the muscles, tender points, you know, just like any muscle in the body, the pelvic floor can get knots of tension and pain and areas that are tight and painful. So that type of assessment is wonderful if you have access to a provider who can do an an exam. If you are, you can absolutely learn how to give yourself an examination, but that's far beyond the scope of this call, I think, (laughs) but you can. I mean, a a person can assess their pelvic floor vaginally or rectally themselves. Mm. Um, But another really great way to to figure this out is to just sort of get a sense of a few questions. So there's some questions that anybody right now could ask themselves. So do one of those Kegel exercises, like try the sucking up the smoothie and then letting it go. And one question you can ask yourself is, first of all, do, are you able to let it go? Like, can you let it go? Or do you just feel the contract Mm. or do you feel nothing? So if you feel nothing, 
that could be an issue of laxity, too loose, essentially too low tone in the pelvic floor, or it can be an, an issue of hypertonicity, too tense. So if you feel nothing, it could be either one. We don't really know, too loose, too, too tight. If you can't, if you can feel the contraction a little bit maybe, but you can't feel a letting go, then usually that's an issue of too much tone. So if you feel yeah. zero letting go, yeah. that's usually too much tone. Um, there's other markers too. If you are finding that your Kegel exercises, if you do those regularly and you find that your issues are getting worse, like you feel like it's making your bladder leakage worse, or you're constantly having to go pee or you're having more pain or that kind of thing, then that probably means too much tone. Um, if you find um, that you're clenching, yeah, yeah. sorry. No, no, no. Like if you find that you're clenching, sorry, finish that because of a question to follow that, but yeah, go on. Yeah. And if you're finding that you are clenching your butt cheeks or pulling in your stomach all day long, clenching anything really, it's probably too much tone. Yeah. Um, and do you, uh, do you think, sorry. So do you think, uh, one, one of the phrases that you coined that's fascinating to us recently was you referred to this pandemic as a pandemic of the pelvis. Right. And I think that's something we really, really, really want to unpack with you because we've learned yeah. so much about health in the last three years. We've learned about our own relationship to our own health, uh, society's relationship to health and what it prioritizes. We've learned about how people are willing to, what people are willing to give up or not give up um, yeah. for to, to, to serve the health of the community and their own health. And I, I wonder when you say that too much tone is the pandemic of the pelvis well, talk to us about it. Is is like my instinct is it's got something to do with tightening because it feels like a lot yeah. of things have tightened in the last few years. Eh? You have it exactly right. A lot of things have tightened. A lot of things have been scary mm -hmm. and uncertain and a little threatening or a lot threatening. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you are feeling scared, uncertain, threatened, freaked out in any way, your body, usually you kind of get this sense of like kind of heaviness and just almost a contracting inward, right? I think mm -hmm. we've all started, you can feel that in your body, but that is literally what happens in your body. And so, yes, the pandemic of pelvic tension, I do not take that word pandemic lightly, obviously, but I've noticed that over the last few years, more and more and more and more of the people that I work with online, I don't, I don't actually currently see people in person right now. I used to, but my online world, is I have a pretty big community and so many people are presenting with too much tension and the things that used to help them in the past were actually making them worse because I was having them, you know, work on, you know, some basic strengthening exercises for their pelvic floor and the rest of their core, or, you know, that's just an example, but things that normally would have helped were not. And I realized that so many of these people were too tight, or they'd tell me that they went to their physio and their physio said, you have way too much tone, way too much tension. Mm -hmm. And so I I've actually discovered this study that showed an actual correlation between the feelings, the emotional states of stress, uncertainty, anxiety, threat. Those emotional states literally make the pelvic floor muscles tighten up faster and stronger than the shoulder muscles, up, the upper traps. These muscles. Wow. Up here. Yeah. And it's crazy because we don't think about our pelvic floor. We all know that this gets tight when we're stressed and we need to go get a massage, but who's going to go massage their pelvic floor? I mean, <laughs> some people will, but it's not typically thought of as like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. I need to go get a massage for my pelvic floor or take care of my pelvic floor. We don't even think about it. We know we're tight up here. 
we don't know we're tight down there, but we are. And so if you have stress in your life and who doesn't, but if you have stress in your life, it's, it's likely that you're carrying some extra tension down there. Mm. It's a fascinating thing, isn't it? Because like being a yoga teacher, half of my job really is about identifying stress patterns in the body and understanding how we hold them and how can we isolate muscles and how can we let go of that tension how can we be more relaxed but until kind of three years ago I really hadn't joined the dots to think that we would also hold tension and stress and trauma in our vaginas for me for example Mm -hmm. as much as in our shoulders or our jaws or any of those kind of places and it's it's so interesting that it took such a long time I mean my work is in like womb yoga and pregnancy yoga and all of that kind of stuff where looking at vaginas is like a really normal part of my life and still even for me it was such a long time to connect those dots and go actually maybe pain and you know, all these sensations or different things that I was experiencing could actually be because emotions or challenge that I've had in my life or trauma that I've experienced in my life is being stored there as well as it might be stored in the rest of my body. And I think what I've heard through you and through other pelvic floor educators over the last three years is that finally this is a conversation that's being brought to light and that people are able to actually go, oh, we can store the trauma in these places. And I think one of the things that I've seen you do is give really helpful tips around how it's not just then pelvic floor massage and internal work and all of that kind of stuff that can help to Mm -hmm. dissipate this stress, but it's also stress reduction techniques as well. Right. Yeah. Bringing a sense of safety to the nervous system is huge. So anything you can do for that is very helpful. And it's true because that this part of the body, if you, I'm sure, you know, you are aware, not everyone is aware of this, but the chakra system, of course, our first chakra is associated with safety. That's one of the things it's associated with. And that is the perineum on our body, that perineum, that very low root place of our body is that first chakra. So energetically, that's the area that is safety. (laughs) And of course, if it's impacted, it will contribute to tension. And so yes, bringing safety into your nervous system, that in itself whatever that means to you. And that can look different for anybody, um, can be very helpful for your pelvic health. And I mean, for me, that includes things like if I'm, if I'm, um, feeling stressed because I have an issue with too much tension in my pelvic floor, along with pretty much the rest of the world, but I definitely, because I'm educated in this line of work, I'm very aware, you know? And so I can tell whenever I'm under extreme stress, I literally can feel a knot of tension building in my perineum, that area between the vagina and the anus for for females. And so I've been doing a lot of just slow, deep breathing, so helpful. And just telling, I'm honestly giving myself compassion, like, okay, we're going to get through this. It's okay. Positive self-talk, these very simple things. There's also other tons of other things we could talk about too, but just simple, slowing down that breathing, lengthening the exhalations, bringing the breath down. I tend, I tend to be a shallow breather, even though I know better, you know, bringing the breath down into my low back, even like that sacrum area. It feels so good. And just bringing the breath down can be so, so helpful. So simple, simple things to calm the nervous system, remind yourself that you're safe just um, helps muscles kind of blossom and say, oh, okay, you know, we can let go. One of the things that you explore or one of the devices you use maybe a lot on your Instagram that I see is a lot of dance and a lot of like, I saw you doing the figure of eight 
thing, which is great and feels so good. And something that I've started doing a lot more myself. I instinctively, I, I used to go dancing on my own a lot in town. People go, people look at me like I was really strange, but I really enjoyed just like a night dancing, totally anonymously. And I always got something great from it. And I never really understood it. I knew that dance was good for me, but I guess I didn't really, like Lydia didn't relate her trauma back to her vagina maybe, I didn't really relate my my release back to my pelvis. And I have like, um, uh, what you call it, like a, uh, a like a shallow uh, shallow hip, uh, what you call it, hip socket. Acetabular, yeah. yeah. This is nice, exactly, <laughs> which which definitely leads to a lot of the, the, a lot of extra held tension in the in the tissues around there. And it's only as I've started to really work that out that I've begun to realize why dance is so important for me as a tension relieving thing. And I'd love to know, is there like, Obviously, you're exploring this now in the current paradigm, but are there cultures, do you think, or that you that you know, that used to understand this relationship between our pelvis and nervous system and they used to enact dance as a way of moving stress out of the body? Or is that just something you've kind of intuited? Um, so, yes, this is. I actually did a, a wonderful interview with... Um, a mother-daughter team, Kukua Dance Fitness. I don't know if you are aware of them. They're, they have a great uh, business and a YouTube channel and they do African dance. They're just amazing. And I asked them, we did a, an interview where I was asking about cultural like patterns of dance where this African dance, the style of, of movement that they just, it's just in them. It's just in them culturally, at least in, you know, I'm not an expert on African dance, but I do love watching and in speaking with Kukua Fitness. They said, this is just natural. This is just how they grew up, knowing how to move your hips, move your pelvis to celebrate, to express, to you know have fun, but also to like mm, explore emotions and like depth of emotions. It all comes from here. And I'm like, intuitively, I, I knew that. I knew that. And I feel, unfortunately, so many of you know the culture that I grew up in, at least, this was very repressed. It was like, no, 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 you don't want to do that sexy dancing. Or it was like, you know, you, you did the bumping and grinding when you, you know, became a teenager and went into college or whatever. And it was very much like an, a naughty thing. Like it was something that maybe you weren't, it was kind of like taboo and like, oh, I'm going to bump and grind. And that's, it, it was like, it was bad. But there's other cultures in the world that they just naturally express themselves through the center of their body. And I know that, you know, belly dance is traditionally something that was passed down the lineage from mothers to daughters to help prepare for, you know, their fertile times and for pregnancy and childbirth. This was not something that was always looked at as bad or, you know, hide it away. But for a lot of us, you know, Europeans heritage it was looked as like, don't move that. That's wrong. And I personally want to make that go away. I'm on a one woman mission to bring, (laughs) you know, the, the hips back to our life, because I'm with you, what you were saying about dance and just dancing solo, just dancing by yourself. It's such a release. And I have been exploring ecstatic dance lately. That's um, where you go. And you, it's a, for me in my community, it's once a week and we go and there's an hour and a half where people just come, there's silence. There's no talking. It's not a club scene. It's not a pickup scene. You just dance your heart out. However you want to move, you just go for it. No one's watching. No one cares. Everyone's just doing it by themselves. And I'm telling you, it's like years of therapy after every dance session. I just Mm. feel so good. It moves the energy 
it literally makes me feel so healthy, so vital. And it's truly probably one of the most important pieces of my health practice now is dance. And it all centers right here. It's so interesting though, because I think a lot of people listening will be like, dance, yeah, uh, sure. dance. it's sure. not for me. I'm not a dancer. I just kind of do the weird shuffle and that's it. Or maybe I do it when I get drunk. Um, but I think that you give some really easy breakdowns on your Instagram about okay, dance, maybe not everyone can feel like they can just dance around their kitchen and be silly, but you do some really nice, simple movements Mm -hmm. with your pelvis that people can kind of try at home that are dance, but also maybe if dance feels like too hard a step to think of in their head, could you describe some of those movements that people could just try at home in their kitchen, maybe if they're listening? For sure. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, the whole body is connected from head to foot. Literally, we have lines of fascia in our body that specific lines that are even more head to toe connected than other lines. Our whole body everywhere is connected by this connective tissue called fascia. It surrounds muscles, the organs, everything. But there's a particular line called the deep front line that goes from your foot all the way up through your inner thighs, through your pelvic floor, through this part of your body, through your jaw. So Uh, it's so cool to see. And so anything you do, even if you were just like listening to a song you like and just swaying back and forth, that's dance. And you're not even moving your pelvis, but you are because when you move up here, it's hooked to your pelvis. And so it doesn't matter. I mean, even just sort of like bopping your head, that's dance. (laughs) It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. But my favorite move is definitely hip circles. So (laughs) that is... It's basically, if anyone wanted to try this right now, you can just stand up and you can simply move your pelvis like you're drawing a circle in the ground beneath you and try not so much to move the upper body. It's just sort of focusing the movement on the pelvic area. Super easy, um, super fun. And you can go slow. You can go fast. You can do it while you're doing the dishes, brushing your teeth. And it just kind of stirs up all this goodness and energy feels good. And I've had lots of people tell me that a regular practice of hip circles, just 10 or 15 a day in each direction, um, helps with sciatica, back pain, all of these issues that, you know, can really plague people and cause a lot of dysfunction in their, in their life, uh, impacts their quality of life significantly. So sciatica, low back pain, improved their sex life. I've had a lot of really positive feedback about this very simple practice. I think it's even better though, when set to a song that you really love, and then you just kind of let your body go from there. So it's like a launching point. And then if you want more, you can play. I think you did one that I, I think I'm pretty sure it's you did that I've taken and used with so many clients for, with amazing effect recently, especially people who feel like maybe even hip circles with music on might be still too much, too scary to start with, is to imagine that there's like a paintbrush or a pen hanging off your tailbone and to write your name, like your full Mm -hmm. name, like for me to be like Lydia (laughs) with your pelvis. And I find that everyone, no matter men, women, no matter what age, everyone gets into that and finds it really funny because it naturally makes you move in these really silly ways. And you're thinking about, you're like, I can, my name has loads of S's. So it makes you do all these like this kind of movement, like funny movement. And I I was going to say it has to be cursive script, not, not all caps. (laughs) Exactly that you want it to be nice and loose, but it was such a, it's such a nice exercise. And I've had loads of people 
at their homes telling me that then they were getting their whole family to switch their names and everyone trying everyone else's names and yeah it's had a really good effect so I think that that's a, a really lovely one that you teach as well. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for reminding me about that. I know I filmed a little Instagram reel with my husband, I believe this summer, and we were doing it on a hiking trail. We were (laughs) writing our names um, with our paintbrush on our tail. Exactly. It's really fun. And the one little tip I want to give people if they try it, if they're like, try this, be sure to bend your knees because you really can't do anything with this part of your body successfully. If your knees are locked out and rigid and, and to kind of go back to this whole tension, this pelvic tension issue and topic that we were discussing is these types of motions is a wonderful way to get just the full range of contraction and also release of your pelvic floor muscles and your butt muscles, your hip flexors, your hip rotators, all of these muscles are contracting and releasing when you're doing the full range of motion. So it's a great way to, you know, mobilize the entire area, but just make sure you're not rigid or locked out in your butt muscles or your belly or your knees. So soften the knees, bend them a little bit, uh, maybe widen your stance a little bit and don't even worry about what you look like. Just have fun. Just move. It's juicy. Motion is lotion. Mm. so good that's so yeah. good <laughs> motion is lotion um yeah. I wanted to I want to ask you a question about a theory that I have because it's what I found in my own body um is that in the last I don't know whether it's the last four or five years you guys can chime in on this everyone in the world seems to have started wearing high-waisted yoga leggings and previous to this no one was wearing high-waisted yoga leggings and previously only yoga teachers like me were wearing yoga leggings and they were mostly at my hips so under my belly Um, And suddenly the high-waisted came in and that was great because it sucked everything in. But I feel like having that constant compression on my belly contributed to tension in my pelvic floor area because I found myself having chronic pelvic floor tension. I would be a high-toned person anyway, but I I really started to feel instinctively that wearing high-waisted yoga leggings all the time was preventing me from breathing fully and deeply and also releasing that pelvic floor and antagonizing because there's also a lot of tightness in leggings and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I just wonder, because so many women wear them all day long, every day, do you think that that could be contributing to pelvic floor tension issues? Yes, that is such a great question. And Yes, for sure. Based on everything you just said, yes, yes, yes. And I also think that, okay, I have a little prop. Do you mind if I grab a prop? No, please. It'll just be okay. It's just right here. Okay. So one thing, (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. The chicken. (laughs) You've probably seen the chicken. Okay. So we have our little chicken here and anything that we do that pinches off around the middle has Um. the potential to cause downward pressure. So pinching off, if they're very tight around your waist, leggings or pants or belts or anything like that, pinches off around the middle. And I don't know if some people are just listening on audio. Basically it's this rubber chicken that has an egg pop out of it when you squeeze around its middle. But this is very, very representative in a disgusting, completely over the top dramatic way of prolapse, pelvic organ prolapse, which is one of the big issues that I work with um, people, which is when there's a lot of downward pressure that over time, a lot, you know, repetitively straining or repetitively having things that pinch around the middle or Mm sit-ups and crunches without knowing how to engage the pelvic floor correctly to protect and brace against that, that constant downward pressure and straining can cause the pelvic organs to descend and, and shift. And if there's a lack of support from the muscles below that can cause 
this issue. <laughs> it can cause, you know, this, this sense again, highly dramatic. Don't worry. This isn't actually happening, but the, the bulge feeling can be very, very irritating for women, that vaginal bulge. So, um, yeah. in a way, absolutely about that compression and constant sort of feeling like you have to suck everything in no matter what you're wearing is problematic and can the high-waisted yoga leggings for sure. But I also think it's nice though, if you're going to wear these types of things to have a wide waistband that kind of spreads out the compression versus something pinchy around the middle, which most yoga pants aren't pinchy around the middle up high. They're usually, they used to be kind of, like you said, low-waisted, which is probably better than definitely better than pinchy around the middle, like the, the natural waistline. Um, but you just want to really think about what you're wearing because that does impact your pelvic health, whether it's too much tension because you're constantly feeling like you have to suck in and just have that compression, or if it's pinching around the middle. The way you talk about that, um, the isolated ab exercises as well, reminds me of another question that I had. So like, chronically unfortunately online we see everybody moving towards this this kind of these workout modalities of like isolating our areas of the body and even it's like a fashion to isolate a certain area of the body make it huge like ginormously over successful let's talk about the butt because that's a big one at the moment i'd love to know what your feeling is about like the amount of like butt toning that's being done and butt strengthening and like to the point that the butt's becoming like it's it's a useful muscle it stands us up i get it our posterior chain is like vital and it's also sexually attractive and there's lots of reasons why it, it's it's a it's something that's being focused on but what are the consequences of that in your opinion Oh yeah. I mean, I am all about balance, which is why I love dance because when you're dancing, you're moving in all directions. And I just think that's key to move your body in all directions, access and, and mobilize every single muscle in your body. And dance just does that so beautifully. So I don't believe there there's, like I've said already, everything in the body is connected. And so anytime you, anytime you're isolating one area as First of all, the area you need to strengthen or the area you need to relax or the area that's the issue. I mean, that's another whole topic of conversation is when people have a pelvic floor issue, say you actually, it's not just the pelvic floor. Like we need to look above and below the pelvic floor too. So anytime you're talking about isolating a body part, it just smacks of this new Western medical, you know, the newfangled by meaning hundreds of years, but still sort of Western medicine is like, if there's an issue, chop it out, right? Yeah. There's an issue, chop it out. Like then it'll go away. And that's not true. And it's the same thing with like strengthening a certain body part. It can cause imbalance when you're constantly just focusing on the one area. Now, all that being said, I will say I am, I, I do kind of approve of butt strengthening because I'm mean, not, not to the exclusion of, of other areas. You want to keep everything balanced, but I do think that strong glutes. Um, I don't think I know that strong glutes do balance out a tight pelvic floor. And ah. so in some ways it is actually, it's wonderful to really promote glute strengthening, especially since so many of us do sit so much during the day. And that can really lead to gluteal amnesia. I call it where the glutes just kind of go to sleep. And so we do want to work those booties, but you do, it does drive me crazy when I, I don't go to the gym, but my husband goes to the gym every day. And he tells me about certain people who will be there and they'll only work on their butt the whole time they're mm -hmm. doing deadlifts and all these different butt exercises, but nothing else that he can see. And he's like, wait a minute, what about 
the upper body. What about your, you know, other parts of your legs and that, like, it's just so funny. So I think people in general, we have this tendency to go to the extreme. If a little bit is good, then a lot's got to be better. Right. And that's just not true. It's always about balance and finding that, that cohesiveness because our bodies are meant to have unity. Like we're meant to be a whole, not a part. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit into the link between digestive health and pelvic health? Yes. One of my favorite topics ever. <laughs> um, a little bit. I could talk a lot, but what should <laughs> I, what would you like to discuss in that regard? I guess maybe if you could start with identifying for people who maybe haven't made that link, how that might show up in their body. So how they might see that digestively in terms of understanding the link between those two things and then what things might exacerbate or improve either way, you know, from digestive to pelvic floor and and back and forth. Right, right. Well, so I've had issues, my own issues with food and digestion food sensitivities, et cetera, and so forth my, my whole life. And so this is a very personal, like love for me and just understanding that digestive total health connection. Because one thing I want to share here before going into specifics about pelvic floor is that if your digestion is off, or if you're eating foods that your body doesn't like, it can really impact your mood and your energy levels. So for the longest time I was, I, I grew up my entire life eating a very gluten heavy diet. And I absolutely don't think everyone needs to be gluten-free by any means, but I Mm -hmm. did. It turns out that I truly did. And I didn't know that until I was about 22 or so. Terrible stomach issues my whole life. And just a lot of, as I got into my early twenties, I really got a lot of brain fog and depression, really, 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 really um, debilitating depression that was treated. Um, But it turns out the food I was eating was such a, such an impactor on my um, mental health. And so it's very important to know that if your mental health impacts your pelvic health. And so that's part of it too. I mean, you must have the energy and the vitality in your mind to Mm. even be able to think about (laughs) your pelvic health or anything like that. You know, you really have to, so the digestion impacts everything, not just your, um, gut health and also your pelvic health on a mechanical level, but also on an emotional level and an energy level, it really does make a difference. So, I mean, that's one little thing, again, looking above way above, even at the brain and below, but on a more mechanical level, if you have a lot of constipation, uh, and you're constantly having to push to go to the bathroom, then that's going to cause a lot of strain on your pelvic floor, Mm -hmm. that repetitive pushing is potentially going to be problematic over the long-term potentially can contribute to prolapse. I known clients who've never had babies. They've never been pregnant, but they have prolapse. And one reason contributing to that is a chronic lifetime of straining due to constipation. Mm -hmm. So just really looking into the root cause of the reason that maybe you have constipation can really help your pelvic health. Another thing that can happen on the other end is diarrhea and constant, you know, very loose stools, stools, soft stools. Um, If you have an issue with diarrhea that happens a lot, that can lead to a lot of irritation and discomfort down in your pelvic area. And it can lead anytime there's discomfort for any reason, your pelvic floor will naturally reflexively contract because again, it's our body's way of unconsciously 
protecting us. And that's from emotional stressors, like we talked about earlier, but also, um, you know, physical stressors and like feelings of, oh my God, I'm constantly having these loose stools and I've got diarrhea. So it can cause reflexive tension and holding. And then that can make it cause all sorts of issues. But one thing that can happen is even hemorrhoids from too much pushing for constipation or diarrhea, because you're then like tightened up in your pelvic floor because you don't want to have this happen and it hurts. And then you have to kind of strain, even if it's diarrhea, you're kind of having to strain to get it out and it can cause hemorrhoids too. So interesting. Do you have any tips on specifics? I know Lydia recommends lecithin granules a lot for uh, helping with um, delivery and softening that area around the pelvic floor. I know MSM can be useful. Um, I know from a hemorrhoid's point of view, it's kind of different. You use like tonic herbs like yarrow and, and mm-hmm. red raspberry leaf, that sort of thing. Any particular foods or herbs that you're conscious of that are really good to nourish the pelvic floor or to help to support it? Ooh, that's a fun one. I mean, for me, I usually do go for foods rather than um, from, from my focus than focusing on herbs, although I do love supportive herbs and supplements. Mm. Um, I happen to love cooked vegetables. I think one thing that I was always told was you need to eat more fiber and more vegetables, which there's not a problem with those, those statements. But I find for me and my body, the more cooked foods I eat, the better. I find that that's just so much more nourishing and soothing for my digestive tract than raw. And I know there's raw foodists out there and I I understand the value of that. But again, I think balance is helpful. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't need to be all extreme one way or the other, but just Mm -hmm. incorporating more soups, broths, um, cooked vegetables, not just always raw is Mm -hmm. very, very helpful. And actually for me, I was having, I think too much fiber. And so I think it's, it's again, all about finding that balance within yourself about what your body needs and, um, always following up with plenty of warm or at least room temperature water. I am not a fan as most Americans are of ice. I hate uh-uh. ice. <laughs> I hate it. Not good for you. And I yeah. know, yes. My son is just obsessed with ice in his water. And I'm always like, but this is not good for your digestion, but so far he hasn't had any issues, but, uh, it's probably coming <laughs> once he, you know, graduates from teenage years. One, so. one thing that you're, what you're saying kind of leads me to thinking of um, is like so much, the, like we come back to basics so often in the consults we do around, you know, whatever health topic it is, but so often one of the, like the major leading questions is how are you on, how are you on water consumption? Right. And, and I'm just thinking where you have high tone or a lot of held tension in a pelvic floor. And we know that, dehydration can lead to constipation which is again a lot like to do with like the drying up and tension in the colon because it wants to sponge all the water out of there i wonder how much if people were to just literally focus on hydration electrolyte minerals how much that would literally allow that tissue to soften as well probably yes 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 absolutely i think starting the day with a glass of water is one of the most one of the most helpful things i've done for my digestive health is before anything else glass of water and then to sip it, not gulp it, which is tempting to just down it because I want to move on to my coffee or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, really starting the day that way can be helpful just to kind of remind yourself, yes, water is so important. And yeah. I mean, on a, on a, like a energetic level too, I mean, emotions are water, right? And so we want to like move that through, through dance, through water, through liquid, like these beautiful fluid things. We don't want to get them stuck in our body. We want to move it through. 
Yeah, that's really cool. There's that's a, that's great. That's a great point as well because you hear that like terms like people being anally retentive, right. holding on to emotions, holding yeah. on to their poops. Right. Again, that hydration, liquidity, fluidity. Da, 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 da. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and I think you're. Go on. No, I was going to say, I think that's kind of representative societally, right, of the last three years as well, is that we're not like sharing things, we're not connecting things, we're not being vulnerably open, like everyone's been kind of closing off all of those things. And it's right. it's stagnation in action, really. And and that stagnation is the opposite of vitality. We want that juiciness, like through all the tissues, but emotionally, connection wise, societally, all of those kind of things. And I wonder if that's also like a huge contributing factor to this, like, yeah. Oh, for sure. The pandemic of pelvic tension. Absolutely. That closed off sensation for sure. I think all of us have felt it. And even going back into the real world, now that things are more open, it can be a little scary and you kind of feel yourself being like, you know, just closed off and that stagnation and congestion in the pelvic area. Definitely. Definitely. We feel it. That was a really good Nosferatu impression, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it feels like, Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> So you're about to run a, a, a really great uh, retreat. On, is it an online retreat with the Vagina Rehab Doctor? No, not Vagina Rehab Doctor, Vagina oh. Coach. Um, oh, Kim Vopney. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Kim Vopney. I would love to with Vagina Rehab Doctor. My gosh. <laughs> Sorry, separate person. We not tried exactly. to get her on too. We couldn't. <laughs> the, the royalty. She is the royalty. Um, yes. No, Vagina Coach and I are doing a retreat in August in Canada, and oh, we're so excited to gather uh, people together for a full six days and five nights. It's going to be a deep dive experience of all of this goodness. I'm so excited. Retreats and real in-person connection. I mean, like we were just saying, it's it can be scary after the, you know, this lockdown years that we all went through and but I find that that's really where the true deep deepest work and deepest connection can happen is in community with real life people I love the online world but real life connection is you can't there's no substitute for it you know so Brie that's been amazing uh, I, I, I want to pause you for a second I know that's a beautiful wrap up but there's just something that we haven't mentioned which I just think is really really key that comes up all the time and I think it's so important if anyone's here listening to pelvic floor stuff is um this idea that that gets perpetuated a lot in movies in media in magazines in conversation even that a good vagina is a tight vagina yes um, no. I would just like us to talk about that just for a second we shouldn't finish without that that's fair I'll accept yeah. that interruption <laughs> yeah that's a good interruption uh yes no that is actually I just did a, a video on YouTube actually of the top myths of the top pelvic health myths and that was absolutely one of them that we should all strive for a tight vagina and especially just drives me crazy when I hear a, a female say well my partner or my you know my boyfriend whatever wants me to be tighter he says I should be tighter it just makes me want to first of all just punch somebody <laughs> the boyfriend no. or husband yes right right exactly mm -hmm. and so no we don't want to strive for a tight vagina there's a, a difference between a tight vagina and a responsive vagina a vagina mm -hmm. that's supple and you know resilient responsive um knows how to re to feel, to feel, to uh, engage, also release. That's what we want. We don't just want tight because a tight muscle is not a strong muscle. It needs to be able to go through the full range of motion to, first of all, do what it's supposed to do to help you have amazing sex, amazing orgasms, you know, 
physically to do that, but also to just have the circulation and energy moving through to actually feel good, which is the point of sex for both parties, you know? So no, we don't just want a tight vagina. We want a responsive vagina. And so that's going to be through um, knowing how to contract, also relax, make sure that the muscles aren't constantly squeezed and gripping and tight, making sure you're not constantly tucking your butt under, you know, let your, your tailbone kind of release a bit, not to the point where you're overly arching your back, but just released and open. Um, again, I could go on forever, but yes, we do not. So, want and how can to guys like during foreplay or during sex, how can guys assist with that process? Oh like I have God. some ideas, but, but, but tell us, what do you think? Yes. Oh, first of all, you must get the book, um, Women's Anatomy of Arousal by Sherry Winston. Yes. I think I got the title right. Such you a good did. book. In fact, I just ordered yes. it yesterday. I saw it on your oh, screen. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. And so, I mean, spending more time, women do take more time on average than men to really fill their erectile tissues. And there's such a huge erectile network of our, our anatomy is, is full of erectile tissue. Even though we don't think of that, we usually just think of that with the male partner. No, no women have erectile tissues too, but we need some time to, you know, expand that area to really in, engorge that area. Um, and, and this is a mind thing too. It's mind and body. So we, we need to be in a really relaxed state. So, I mean, I think the man can start in a, or a partner can start in assisting the arousal by the mind <laughs> and, you know, making sure that it's in a situation where it's not a time when, you know, like, don't try to get your partner to be, you know, having sex with them when you've got like kids running around or like, you've got to be somewhere in five minutes. Like, no, it's not going to work. You need to be in the, in the right setting, the right situation, have the right mindset, be relaxed, and then just take your time. So good. So Ricky is not the friend of the pelvic floor. Good. Right, right, exactly, Good. exactly. That's pressure, good. pressure. Any woman will freeze under pressure. Yeah, that is yeah. like, I mean, just pressure. I do. It's like, no. If I have pressure of any sort, I'm like, Ugh. like no. you can just feel everything just tighten up, and that is not conducive to arousal. You have to have circulation for that arousal to happen, for those tissues to engorge with blood. Your body has to have the circulation flowing, and you can't do that when your muscles are tight and clenched up. And you're feeling stressed and you're feeling pressure. Cool. Great. Yeah. Liz, this has been so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on for hours. We really I know. <laughs> Lid, any more to follow? No, that's it. I, I mean, many, many more things. I know but that's yes, the thing. I think that's what I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that was fun. That was, I've learned so much and really, really so fun. And your style of information is so useful. I think so many people are going to be engaged with and be able to engage with the idea of pelvic floor, hearing the way you speak and just the freedom that you're bringing to the way to speak. And I think this is one of actually the blessings that we have as European people who are definitely more attentive speaking to Americans who are way more free flowing about this yeah. stuff, which is, it's really beautiful. And so thank you for bringing that dynamic to this topic. It's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for giving me a platform to share. <laughs> nice. Well, it just remains for us to thank our sponsor. And uh, so Clearlight Saunas, we have this beautiful infrared sauna uh, that we've become ambassadors for since I made the rather lifetime investment of getting involved with. Uh, it comes with a lifetime guarantee, which is beautiful. Uh, red light is definitely good for that pelvic floor, infrared, near, far and medium. Also the sweating, also all the other bits and the contrast therapy of hot and cold, no doubt that tones and relaxes tissue. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you guys want to get involved with infrared therapy, come and talk to us. We'll hook you up with Clearlight, who are zero EMF, 
really sustainable, great company to work with, a uh, really small company actually, uh, even though they're kind of a big global brand. So um, thanks to them. And also for our own thing, we have our organic merch that we've now launched. It's online. Go to the wanderingintowellnessproject.com and please pick up some of our organic merch. It's a very limited run. It's our little capsule collection, 20 of each item. And when they're gone, they're gone. Um, and that's really it. Thank you to you guys for watching. And thanks so much, Brie, again. Yes, thank you. And I got, I want one of those saunas myself. <laughs> Sweet. Come and talk yeah. to us. We'll yeah. get you the discount code. Come to us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. Thanks so much, Bye. guys. Bye. <laughs>